Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. 2020 has certainly been a year, hasn't it? The nightmarish reality we've all found ourselves living in has made the mediums and media more important now than ever before. These forms of escapism that are often touted as wastes of time become imperative to us retaining some semblance of our collective sanities. Given the lockdowns and shutterings of countless cinemas and theaters, many, myself included, assumed that 2020 would have a significant lack of horror films. And yet, 2020 saw some of the most varied and sleeper surprises of horror films of the last few years. The one silver lining, if there could be, of this entire shitty situation we're in is that the need for digital home releases has allowed more people than probably ever before to access new films that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to. Whether it be a lack of access to theaters due to location or disability, or if you're like me, and you're always in favor of watching movies at home, this was a big win in a year that had very few for many of us. And so, as is the yearly tradition of lists, here are my 10 favorite horror films of the year in no particular order. No order because I'm not looking to catch smoke from ranking a certain movie above another movie. And of course, I'm sure I'll have missed out on a few of your favorite movies of the year. So please feel free to tweet me at NotFunnyJ or at DailyHorrorPod to share some of your favorite movies of the year. So without further ado, here's part one of my favorite horror films of the year. Possessor, which is now streaming on Video On Demand Services. This was easily my most anticipated film of the year. The brainchild of Brandon Cronenberg, this sci-fi horror mediation on the mind and body is as disturbing as I could have hoped for. From its terrific, contrasting lead performances of Andrea Riseborough and Christopher Abbott as two people losing control, to its mind-melting visuals and brief but brutal moments of body horror carnage, Possessor fused itself to my brain, not allowing me to shake it. A great concept executed on in a dreamlike manner that challenges our characters as well as our own perception of their consciousness in a cyberpunk world of corporate espionage. The nightmarish portrayal of the mind and body in constant conflict with one another, when accompanied by nightmarish visuals that you can't help but gawk at, makes for a truly unforgettable experience. It also has one of the most shockingly aggressive endings that pulled the rug out from under me and then sucker punched me when I was on the floor. The personification of a cathartic rage exploding into a gruesome and bloody conclusion. As I hesitate to say more than that as to not spoil it for you, this is a film you're completely unprepared for and yet must experience it for it will stick with you like few others will. One of the year's best, if not one of my favorite films of the last probably five years, The Invisible Man, which is now currently streaming on HBO Max. You might be surprised to learn that Lee Winnell's The Invisible Man was not released three or four years ago. It was in fact released this year, though I really shouldn't be surprised by the unnatural passage of time in 2020. Yet, The Invisible Man was actually the last film I saw in theaters before the COVID lockdowns and restrictions, and, and boy, what a way for me to end my theater visits for the year. In my opinion, The Invisible Man should serve as the blueprint for modern revitalizations of classic horror IPs taking the ethos of the original film and giving it an updating that actually makes this classic horror franchise feel plausible. And no, it isn't as simple as giving classic horror characters the Black Mirror treatment. It's about expanding on the groundwork of the original in ways that make it relevant to modern day, both in the titlier villain themselves, but also the conversations the film addresses. The film was more than just a guy with a suit that made him invisible, which I still need to say is simply phenomenal in creepy tech-fueled design. It's more than the original film's mad scientist premise in that Oliver Jackson Cohen plays a gaslighting and manipulative piece of shit scientist. 
This character dynamic between him and the fantastic Elizabeth Moss give the story a relevance to conversations that are occurring in 2020. But more so than just approaching the conversation, it's organic to the scares and the horror of the Invisible Man premise itself. Rather than feeling like a soapbox, it fuels the film's concept and scares in a way that makes it even more terrifying and feel plausible to a certain degree. Throw in some truly terrifying Invisible Man fight scenes, one in which Elizabeth Moss is picked up in midair by an invisible foe, as well as a hallway full of cops attempting to fight that which they cannot see, and this film is as stimulating visually as it is thought-provoking. It's not a film that I gave much thought prior to its release, but it's one that I'll be revisiting with much frequency. Underwater, which is currently streaming on HBO Max. If you approach this movie with a, it's like alien mentality, you're gonna have a bad time. Mostly because nothing is comparable to Alien in my mind, but also because that oversimplification is reductive and not indicative of what this film really is striving for. Underwater is a deep sea Cthulhu creature feature that is a terrific performance from Kristen Stewart that reinforces the degree to which those who attempt a pigeon holder should kick large rocks while wearing thong sandals. Stewart is able to play this deeply cynical and introspective character to a degree you might not be expecting given the film's Cthulhu Hell Monsters framework. Director William Eubank has crafted one hell of a claustrophobic underwater horror film that weaponizes my fear of the ocean before throwing waves of devilishly creative creature designs our way. The ways in which he captures the grandiose underwater station, the ocean floor itself, and the feeling of being surrounded at all times by guild predators makes for a more unnerving film than I was anticipating. The finale of the film has one of my favorite creature feature moments of the year, and while I may have wanted one or two more moments like this throughout the film, Overall, this movie really does deserve far more credit than it's been getting. It isn't just that Underwater whips a fair amount of ass, but it's the degree to which it does consistently throughout its lean runtime. Don't let this early 2020 offering sink under your radar. And now for a brief intermission. If you've been enjoying this episode of Daily Horror Habit, please take a moment to subscribe to the show on your preferred streaming platform or leaving a review on iTunes. And thank you for your continued support, which drives the show's success. And now, without further ado, let's get back to today's horrifying episode. Freaky, which is currently available on video-on-demand platforms. I'm going to keep it 100 with y'all. I had literally zero expectations for Christopher Landon's follow-up to the Happy Death Day films with 2020's Freaky. Basically, it's a slasher-focused rendition of Freaky Friday starring Vince Vaughn, which that whole sentence right there doesn't exactly wet my whistle as it were. But as Landon proved with his Happy Death Day series, his ability to take zany premises and infuse a more than competent horror comedy into them is sound. Though, after finally watching Freaky, I think it reinforces my feeling that Happy Death Day was a warm-up for what Landon is really capable of. Not to divert to a PG-13 versus horror ratings discussion, but Freaky Friday's R rating allows for a notable upgrading on the quality of kills and humor that Happy Death Day didn't necessarily totally hit for me. First and foremost, Freaky has slasher-grade kills that never feel like an afterthought, as brutal and bloody as you would expect from a slasher, but used within the confines of a horror comedy. There's creativity in the kills, but also the practical work is top-notch, which allows the entire thing to scratch that satisfying slasher itch that most horror comedies rarely do for me. I was also surprised just by how much fun Vince Vaughn's performance is, especially in contrast to Catherine Newton's. The body swapping humor works more often than not as it often revolves around the character's predicament of having a new body or the impressive variety of kills within the film. 
If you're like me and are a tad weary about horror comedies uneven balance of their genre influences, Freaky absolutely delivers in ways that most horror comedies don't. This was just a ton of bloody silly fun and I highly recommend it. The Mortuary Collection, currently streaming on Shudder. Much like my usual disappointment with horror comedies, anthology horror doesn't hold a special place in my heart. I'm often annoyed by stories, time constraints, or their tendency to have their tone be a complete disaster due to a variety of, while very talented creatives, different voices and intentions that conflict with one another that ultimately don't have their horrors kind of executing on the way that they're supposed to. The Mortuary Collection rectifies this grievance largely by it being from a solo dolo mind of Ryan Spindell, who is at the helm creatively. This allows for the stories and scares, while varied in their stories and focuses, to have a similar style that ties them all together with a nice and nasty horror bow. Some of the stories are funnier than others, some are more practical effects focused, while others have their narratives at the forefront. But overall, the Mortuary Collection feels consistent with the single creative's vision, which allows the entire film to feel concise in its style and ability to convey its horrors. If you've ever been somewhat hesitant of anthology horror, the Mortuary Collection will not only stand as a shining example of the benefits of a singular director, but is one of the best anthology horror collections around. So be sure to check that out, even if you've been somewhat hesitant of horror anthologies in the past. And that's all for part one of my favorite horror films of the year. I'll have part two up either Tuesday or Wednesday. My schedule's a little hectic right now, so be on the lookout for that in the coming days. But as always, I will see you guys tomorrow for another episode of Daily Horror Habit. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram and at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.